0: First Timothy chapter four is where we're going to be. If you're not there, um, I'll read it and you can just follow along because listening is reading with your ears. Yeah. Uh, first Timothy chapter four, verse 12 nailed it. You know, here's, here it goes. <clears throat> Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love In faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture and the public roasting of s'mores. Just kidding. To preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere them. Because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let's play, or pray. <laughs> oh, man. Lord, I pray that you'd overcome this strange speech impediment I develop every time I teach on Wednesdays. And Lord, that you just be here tonight with us. I pray that your spirit would speak. Lord, I can't speak on my own. I've got nothing. But Lord, you have everything. You have everything that I need to preach a good message, and you have everything... They need everything we need to listen and to hear your words. So Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to absorb into our hearts exactly what you have for us. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So this is my opening statement. Uh, I think that we live in a culture that does not like to take responsibility for their actions. Have you guys ever dealt with the frustration of when you've got someone in your family who did something wrong, like a little brother, little sister, and they won't own up to it. And it's frustrating, right? Yeah? Now, have you ever done something wrong and you didn't own up to it? Yeah? Okay, you just owned up to it. Now you're okay. But I think the problem a lot of times is we like to think, this is what we like to think. If we're honest with ourselves, we like to think this way. I'm living my life my way. If someone else is affected by it, it's not my problem. (laughs) I want to do things the way that I want to do it. And this story is as old as Genesis chapter four, like the fourth chapter of the Bible. You guys know the story of Cain and Abel, the first children. You've got Adam and Eve. What do they do? They sin. They get kicked out of the garden like that, just kicked right out. And they have these kids, Cain and Abel, and they're just trying to follow the Lord. And they're trying to make these sacrifices and One of them makes a good sacrifice, Abel. He sacrifices the best lambs that he has to the Lord. And then you've got Abel, and he sacrifices some nasty vegetables. It wasn't that the Lord didn't like vegetables, but it's like he did it with the wrong heart. So basically, God looked at Abel. um, Or no, I got it mixed up, didn't I? Yeah, I saw like some squints over there, and I was like, okay. Um, So yeah, Cain. Cain was the guy who gave up the vegetables and they were nasty vegetables. The Lord didn't like that. Um, He didn't do it with a full heart. And so basically the Lord just kind of said to uh, Cain, like, hey man, what are you doing? Like, this isn't a good sacrifice. Well, Cain responds not for owning up to his actions. He doesn't say, you know what, Lord, you're right. Uh, I did this with the wrong heart. I should have been like my brother Abel. I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, I apologize. Next time I'm gonna give you my best. He actually goes and he kills his brother. Just straight up murders him. Takes a rock, smashes him in the back of the head. And then the Lord shows up and says to Cain, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain gives this classic response. He says, hey, am I my my brother's keeper? Like, am I responsible for that guy? And he is, absolutely, because he's the one who killed him. But even if he didn't, he's his brother. He's absolutely responsible. And this can often be our attitude. We can say, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? Whether it's your, actual brother and sister, or whether it's someone in this circle, someone in your group of friends, you might say, you know, am I responsible for them? Like, do you really expect me, Lord, to not just mind my own spiritual walk, but actually care about my friend's spiritual walk? Do you actually mean, Lord, that the things that I do could have an effect on someone else? I think that Cain's sinful heart and bad decision affected his brother. And in the same way, our bad heart, whenever we are in sin, that can affect the brothers and sisters in our life. The Bible says that we're the body of Christ and the body has to work together. So if my right arm wants to exercise, if it wants to lift weights, if it wants to pump iron, but my left hand in conjunction with my mouth and brain wanna stuff hamburgers into my face, like what's gonna happen? I'm gonna have a giant right arm and a really weak, tiny left arm and I'm gonna be huge. It's not good when we don't work together as the body of Christ. And so what I wanna submit to you is just this idea that we have a responsibility to influence one another. It's actually a responsibility. The reality is you're always influencing those around you guys. You are always influencing those around you. You don't really have a choice. In the same way, rain, when it falls, it doesn't have a choice if it's gonna get people wet or not. It's rain, that's what it does. In the same way, humans are made in the image of God. And so influencing one another Pointing one another to something is actually what we do. It's what we were designed for. And See, from the beginning of your life, you've been given a mirror. And you can do two things with a mirror. You can either hold that mirror up to your own face and reflect yourself back to yourself and obsess over yourself, or you can hold that mirror in front of you so that it reflects the image of someone else. So that when people look at you, they don't see you because the mirror is in front of you and it's reflecting back the image of someone else. God gave us that mirror, he gave us our influence, not so that we can point people to us, not so that we can make people think how great we are, not so that we can establish ourselves and have everyone think, wow, he's got it together. Wow, she has got it going on. She is amazing, he is awesome. They are the king of the school. They're the, the top of social media. But so often fame is, it's what we want, it's what we crave. Even if we haven't admitted it to ourselves, we want to be liked. We want people to think we're great. We want people to notice us. If at the very least we just wanna fit in. But we've been called to reflect back the image of God. And we have a choice. You cannot choose to not be an influence. It's part of who you are, you absolutely will influence somebody, but you do have a choice in the kind of witness and impact you give others. The reality is someone's gonna follow you, no matter who you are. You may be the most popular person in this group, or you might be the newbie. You may, you might be the person that nobody knows here. You might be the freshman who's you know just trying to make your name here, just trying to fit in, just trying to not trip on yourself and embarrass yourself in front of the group. No matter who you are, you're influencing someone around you. And the question is, if, people are following us, not just on social media, but if people are following us in life, if they're looking at us and if they're being influenced by us, do we know where we're going? If people are following us, do we actually know where we're going? Are we following the leader, Jesus Christ, who is leading us the right way? Are we providing the kinds of examples that will bless the lives of others? As an influencer, you need to know a few things. One, the Bible says that if you're not following Jesus, you're like a blind man leading other blind men. What's gonna happen if a blind man leads a blind man? They're all gonna walk off a cliff. <laughs> they're all going to fall into a dark hole. It's so true, and we see this in so many ways in our, in our world. Did you know that children who see physical violence between their parents are six times more likely to abuse their own spouses after they marry? If those children were also hit by their parents as teenagers, they're 12 times more likely to abuse their spouses. It's, just, it's, it's so true. You may not realize it, but you've had influences in your life and the things that you do now matter. The things that you do now matter to your future children. The things that you do now matter to the people in your life. So how do we find the way to be a good influence? Well, listen, listen, if you're here today and you've had bad influences in your life, if you're here today and you have had influences that are terrible, you need to know there's hope because look at 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. I mean, if you're not there, you can just listen along. This is what it says. Be imitators of me, just as I also am imitators of Christ. Jesus is there to be our ultimate example. Jesus is there to be the one that we can imitate. So no matter what your past, no matter what's happened, Jesus is there to say, hey, you can start fresh with me. If you follow me, it doesn't matter what happened because I am there to be your ultimate example. And 1 Thessalonians 1.6 says, and you became imitators of us and our Lord when you received the message with joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but the idea of telling someone to be an imitator of me is scary. The idea that, that, that I would tell someone to follow me is frightening because that's a big responsibility. Like I don't sometimes wanna be an, an influence because I make mistakes. I say stupid things, I do stupid things. And when people look at me like, I'm not always on. Like, I don't know about you guys, are you always on? Like, are you always perfect? Are you always doing things exactly the right way? Are you always saying exactly the right stuff? Are you always not messing up? Because for me, I fall on my face all the time. I do stupid things all the time. But the reality is, if we're following Christ, if we're imitating him, then other people will imitate us and that's a good thing. That's, that's great news for those of us who are failures. That's great news for those of us who mess up because when we, it makes Jesus our ultimate example. It doesn't matter if you're the most perfect person in the world or if you mess up all the time. When you imitate Jesus, other people will see that and they'll follow along in those footsteps. The Greek word for imitate is mimetes. Everyone say mimetes. 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 <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And uh, it refers to one who, who imitates another. So there's a YouTube video I saw of this dad, um, and he's, you know, typical hillbilly dad drinking a Budweiser, and he stubs his toe, and he just starts uh, dropping F-bombs everywhere. And then he's got, there's this little two-year-old, and she starts dropping F-bombs too. She's, like, imitating her dad. It's kind of cute, but it's also terrible. But that's mimetes. Um It's an active noun. So mimitase is an active noun, and it means it's something that's an action. So... We shouldn't let the word mimic fool us, though, because when I think of mimic, I think of mimes, and mimes are creepy. Uh, if you're if you're a mime or if you've had a history of miming, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's creepy. It's not. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> it's not just a cheap imitation, though. It's it's talking about reproduction. Jesus wants us to reproduce ourselves. He came to reproduce himself, not getting married and having kids. He came to reproduce his children in the sense that he came to give his spirit to us so that we would be just like him. I wanna ask you, do you have a disciple? Like, think about it. Maybe some of you guys here have been discipled. Maybe you've blessed, or maybe someone's blessed you. Maybe a counselor in your time in junior high or high school has taken you under their wing. Maybe you have a small group leader here and they disciple you on a regular basis. Do you have your own disciple? Is there someone in your life that you pour into or are you constantly just taking? Are you constantly just letting people pour into you and you're not really pouring it out? Listen, if you're here today, I want you to know, if you're a follower of Jesus, God wants you to disciple others. He wants you to be a good example. And you know, for some of you guys, that might mean your little brothers and sisters, disciple them. Like, look at them as like, this is someone God wants me to pour into. This is someone God wants me to minister to. I'm gonna help out around the house and I'm gonna, help. I'm gonna have my little brother and sister help me and then I'm gonna sit down with them I'm gonna explain how blessing mom and blessing dad is serving Jesus. Maybe there's someone here at this group who's younger than you. Are they just your buddy? Or do you wanna take them under your wing and point them to Jesus? And you might think like, I can't disciple somebody. I don't have anything to give. I'm a failure, I mess up. I'm, 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 I sin all the time. You know what, so do all of us counselors. Like we are humans, we make mistakes. Like we can tell you, you ask, like we'll be totally open with you if you ask us like, hey, do you guys mess up? Like, yes, we will tell you. Like, let me tell you how I was rude to my wife the other day. Let me tell you how I was prideful the other day. Things like that. Like you need to know that there's hope if you struggle with sin, we follow Jesus. Not because he makes us perfect, because he is perfect. Because when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see our mistakes, he sees Jesus. For all of us, if you wanna be a leader, the point is lead people to Jesus. So obviously then, the issue here is the key to spiritual leadership and maturity is not how great we are, but how much we're following Jesus. Is Jesus our key supreme example? How much are we allowing Christ to be the Lord of our lives? For some of you guys, you need to realize, that you might be the only Bible that someone reads. Like, there might be someone in your life, at your school, and your family, and they don't, they're not gonna pick up the Bible. <laughs> like, if you told them like, hey, just go read the Bible. they be like, no, I'm not, like, why would I do that? I have like YouTube and Snapchat and all these other, like, why would I ever read the Bible? Like, I would never do that. So really the only way they're gonna hear about Jesus is by seeing how you live your life, by hearing you talk about Jesus. Is that on your heart to influence people in that way. I wanna ask you guys, have you ever thought about the influence that we all deal with every day when it comes to social media? It's a huge part of our lives. And you know what, Um, I'm not, this isn't gonna be one of those messages where I just tell you like social media is bad and it's the end of the world and it's gonna cause Armageddon, all the cell phone, radio tower, microwave connections. Like no, I'm not gonna gonna go there. Some people go there, I don't know who they are, but they do. (laughs) I, no, I just made them up they don't exist um social media is awesome like seriously I love it like I'm, I'm not gonna tell you social media is bad um social media can be bad I remember one time we were doing a summer beginning of the summer barbecue and uh we, it was like a swim pool party and I go out and like I'm looking around and no one's in the pool No one's eating burgers. And then I go into like a little living room, everyone's sitting on the couch with their phones in their hand, texting people who aren't there. And they did that the entire time. And I was like, guys, come on, that's lame. But sometimes social media is awesome. Like for me, I'm able to connect with people that I would never talk to if it wasn't for social media, like people that I went to kindergarten with, like people I went to high school with, like people I would never really spend the time to seek out and find and they would never do so for me, but I can get on Instagram and I can totally catch up with them and like watch their kids grow up and it's just, it's awesome. Social media can be really, really cool. It can keep you connected to people in a great way, but sometimes there's problems with it. Sometimes we can spend too much time. You know, there's an average these days that some people spend like up to four to nine hours on it. I don't know if that's you. <laughs> um, there's this is becoming a thing where some of us can check our social media up to a hundred times a day, and it's just like you're just always like oh, something's got to be there. Got to check. There's got to be something new. Um, just swiping it open all the time. Some people, their emotional health is tied to their social media where they'll post something and it's like if they don't get, like there, there's a threshold of likes, like it's, it's gotta be 20 or I, and, and then I, I know that I'm valuable. I know that I'm loved. But if I don't get 20, if it's 15 or 10, like I just, you delete it and you hate yourself and you go cry into a pillow. I don't, man, I, okay. Uh, maybe some people are dealing with this. I don't know. Aaron, okay, cool. <laughs> It's okay, man. You Good. can call. Double you can, you can call me. Call me and cry to me. Um, I'll, I'll make like ten new accounts, and I'll like your. I'll like the photo with the ten hey, accounts. Thanks, I'll do that for hey, you. Thanks, man. But listen, these days, if we're honest, like, what do we have in our hands all the time? It's our phones. So for us, what we look at on our phones is one of the main sources of daily influence we get. So we should be asking the hard question. For those of us who are constantly connected, like me, I'm always on social media. Are we often more interested in spending time on Instagram or Snapchat or spending time with the Lord? Think about it. How long can you last without checking social media? Anyone check social media in school, in class, anybody? It's okay, I'm not your teacher. I'm not gonna report. I'm not gonna knock on you. Anybody checking in class? Yeah, okay. There's, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen you guys like pictures, definitely during times that I know you're in class. Um, well, for those of us who can't last that long without checking our social media in class, what about the, the holy word of God? Like how long can we last without reading it? I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, I can last a long time without reading the word. And I get a feeling for a lot of us, we find it hard to stay away from social media because we feel like we get something valuable, but do we feel the same way about the scriptures? Do we feel like we get something valuable out of the word of God? What's influencing our life? If we focus on the people on social media, if we let them influence us, if our influences are DJ Khalid, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, if those are our influences, or you know the most popular girl at your school or whatever, we're gonna imitate them. We're gonna start posting pictures like them and lining up our faces just like them and using the same filters as them. The internet, movies, television, songs, they all have a massive influence on our life, we can't deny it, but they can affect how we see ourselves and others, and how we make decisions, and how we spend our time. And all this noise and information speaks out so loudly into our lives that we are, they actually shape who we are at times, and then often we're not even aware that it's happening. So how much time do you spend in front of screens? And now, I'm, again, I play video games, I work on a computer, I use social media. So I'm not saying go burn your laptop and go live in the mountains. But I am saying, compare whatever you do, compare it. What about the Lord? Is he getting any of that time? Who or what do you think has the greatest impact on your life, social media, your friends, or the Lord? Beware of being tricked by the enemy because the seduction of social media can suck us in. And before we know it, we're becoming more influenced by the noise around us. We're being influenced by the fashion and the popularity and the drama and the relationships and often even sin. We see something on Instagram from that account that you know that your mom doesn't want you following, but you're following it and it's like, dang, that guy's doing something cool. I know I'm not technically allowed to do it, but it looks awesome. Snapchat is a great place for that because you know self-distressing stuff. So it's like someone puts out something that's gnarly and you're like, I saw it, (laughs) ha ha, yes. File that away, now I can go and plan how I can do the same thing. I mean, it happens. It might be time to get some balance in your life. Crack open your Bible and start reading because there's gold in there, I would say. So I know some of you guys might be tuning me out right now. You might be like, this message is so lame. Um, if you feel that way, I'm sorry. But I just want to tell you that if you're thinking right now, like, oh, Aaron's teaching a message about how we need to not be you know, perfect little Christians and not do anything worldly and just get off social media and go and read my Bible all day in a cave. That's not what I'm saying. Don't get mixed up. We're not called to be Puritans. We're not called to separate ourselves from all non-Christians and dress in robes and Amish girl dresses, and only listen to Christian songs and dance Christian dances. I don't even know what a Christian dance is. Aaron, what's a Christian dance? There you go, yeah. Just look up his YouTube videos and do that. Listen, listen, listen. In John 17, 14 through 16, Jesus prays. This is in the garden of Gethsemane before Jesus is about to die. And he prays and says, Lord, I don't ask that you take my disciples. That's you guys. Lord, I ask that you don't take them out of the world. I ask that you keep them in, but keep the enemy away from them. He says, Lord, don't take them out of the world. Keep them in and keep them safe from the enemy. He says they are in the world, but not of it. Have you ever heard that expression, be in the world, but not of it? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. It's a key term to understand for the follower of Jesus. And it can clear up a lot of confusion, especially if you've had kind of sheltered parents, uh, like I did, to be honest, and like Amanda did. Um, you know, we, we, we grew up pretty sheltered. And you know, it wasn't because our parents told us this, but we kind of grew up thinking that it was all about just, you know, here's the list of bad things that you don't do, and these are the things that good people do. And, but it's like you kind of secretly want to do the bad things and you don't understand like why. Listen, for followers of Jesus, this is so key. Does anyone know the story of Daniel? Raise your hand if you know the story of Daniel. What's he famous for? Daniel oh, and the Lion's Den. <laughs> the White Vans. <laughs> um, he's known for the Lion's Den and the White Dens that he are the white vans <laughs> that he wore in there. Too. But listen, the story of Daniel is so much more than that. Has anyone here like deeply studied the book of Daniel? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, Rod. Right. The Book of Daniel is awesome. Let me give you a little breakdown of what happens in the book of Daniel. Like, let me let me explain what happened. This is kind of the prequel before he ends up in the lion's den. The book of Daniel begins with Israel being attacked by their enemies, Babylon. Israel is a God-following nation, just like you know, we're supposed to be in America, a God-following nation. Israel's hardcore, they're a theocracy. God is their king. They, they're all about it. Well, Babylon shows up, defeats their king like goes in there and just takes out the the king that God had appointed, um, desecrates the temple, goes into the temple of God and just tears down the altar, like graffitis all over the wall, like just does all this gnarly stuff in there. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has this devious plan. He's like, "I'm, I'm gonna go into Israel and I'm gonna capture all the young men. It says specifically the strong, smart, and handsome young men. Um, So he goes in and he kidnaps these dudes. Sounds kind of weird. It it definitely is. But he he kidnaps them. And this is what he wants to do. He wants to rip them out of the culture of Israel. He wants to rip them right out of the culture of God. And he wants to make them a part of Babylon's world and culture. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the dudes in the fiery furnace, they are ripped from their homes, their churches, their friends, and their schools, and they're thrust into Babylonian society where they would be taught the Babylonian language, history, religion, and culture, and they would work at the king's palace. So they're thrown into a world of influence that goes against everything that they grew up knowing and believing. So obviously the story of Daniel is about him and his friends trying to make an escape from evil Babylon, right? That, that's gotta be the story. Like it's, it's you know, they're, they're these God-fearing guys and they're thrown into a world of sin. So obviously the story is like, well, they gotta get out of that world of sin and get back to like the land of God, the Holy Land, right? That, that's, no, no, that's not the story. If you know the story, that's it's not the story. The boys actually become a part of Babylon's culture. They become, a, they become like just entrenched in Babylon's culture. But all the while, They are a light for God. Do you see the difference? They don't reject the culture that they're put in. They shine for God in the culture. They learn the language, they have to go to the school, they learn the language. They end up getting the Babylonian haircuts and they end up wearing the Babylonian fashion and they learn the Babylonian history and religion and even, I'm, I'm sure they learned uh, you know, some of the sorcery, you know, the books of magic, you know, Harry Potter or whatever. Um, obviously to them they knew, well, this doesn't exist because we believe in Yahweh and he's the God who can bring down fire from heaven. These guys don't know what they're talking about but they read the books. They even get their names changed. They get names changes forced on them and they don't, they don't argue against it. They don't go like, how dare you? We serve Yahweh. Like you can't change our name. That was given us to by, by God. No, they're, they're just like, yeah, we're in the culture. Like this is where we are. They, even, they become so hardcore in the culture that they become Babylonian government officials. It's crazy. So think of it like this. For a believer in God, we're kind of like a fish dropped into a river. We're dropped into the world. You know, the Bible says that we're not of this world. We're of heaven but we are dropped into the river of this world. What powerful force does a river have? Anybody? What's it called? A, it starts with a C. Uh-huh. A current. What's the easiest thing you can do in a current? follow it. Yeah, you can just follow it. You sit down in that current. You're just like, hey, it's a sweet current. I can literally just lay on my back. I don't know if a fish would do that. Uh, but, you know, swim in the current. I don't, I don't know what it looks like to see a, a fish lying on its back. But, Mine did that. Yeah. That's cool. Dead. It's dead. <laughs> it's dead. <laughs> like my goldfish. Um, but no, you, you just lie back and, you know, you just let the current take you and you just go with the current. And for a lot of us as Christians, that's kind of what we end up doing. We get put in the current of the world and we're just like, all right, sweet. I'm in the current. But that's not what Daniel did. That's not what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Abednego did. What they did was they swam upstream. They swam against the current. So as Christians, we're called to be in the river of the world, but we're called to swim in a different direction against the current. You see how much different that is? Do you see the difference between kind of like what we grow up thinking unintentionally? We think Christians are supposed to be separate from the world. What happens if you take the fish out of the river and put it on the land? It just flops around like it's no good unless you want to eat it. You know, for us as Christians, we're not called to like be separate from the world and and not have anything to do with the world and and, and just go to heaven just to get out of the river. No, God put you in the river for a reason right now. And so we are in the world, we're in the river, but we're swimming towards something else. The rest of the world is following the the shallow current of pleasure the current that leads to destruction and death. We are swimming against the current. Towards Jesus and towards life is the way that we swim. Listen, if you're a Christian, you're still a part of the culture. God put you in the culture for a reason, but at at times we are going to do things differently because following Jesus will lead us to do things differently. And if you're doing this, you'll be influencing others for good. Case in point, Daniel. In Daniel chapter one, Daniel and his friends have become a part of the Babylonian culture. They're grafted in. They've got the haircuts. They've got the robes. They've been learning some of the stuff. And Daniel is led by God to swim against the current and to make a stand about something. So what was it? Was it the Babylonian music? Like, oh man, this sketchy, secular Babylonian music is so gnarly. It's just just wicked and sinful. Like, we only want to listen to our Jewish music. No, that wasn't it. Like, was it the language? Like, oh, we're not going to learn your filthy Babylonian language. We're only going to speak Hebrew. No, that wasn't it. Was it friends? So like, was it like, oh, I'm not going to hang out with any Babylonians? They're going to hell. No, they, they, were, they were in the culture, hanging out with Babylonians, pointing them to Yahweh. It was actually food. <laughs> food was the weird thing that Daniel made a stand on. It's, it's a very weird thing to make a stand on. Um, what happens is the king gathered together. This is in Daniel chapter one, if you wanna go back and read it. The king gathered together all the young men he'd captured and he throws them a big feast. He's trying to warm up to them. Like, that's what you do. Like, if you want to take note, if you want to capture someone, throw them a feast, and like, that's how you can warm up to them. They'll love you after that. So he's trying to make them feel more comfortable, and he pulls out this food. It's like all of this sweet meat and dates and fruit and just all of this awesome stuff and wine, just just goblets and goblets of wine. And the king says, look, all the food that's mine, I give to you. Every day, every day, I have a portion of food just for you. Come to my palace and feast, we'll be BFFs, it'll be the best. I'm King Nebuchadnezzar, I know I kidnapped you, but I'm feeding you, so yeah, like that's, that's what's going on. <laughs> so dumb. Daniel Daniel refuses. He says, he says, no, I will not defile myself with the king's wine and food. It's, it's interesting, because I mean, is Daniel resisting in any other way? No, he's not, it's just the food. You know what Daniel says? He says, bring us vegetables and water. I don't know about you, but if I'm Daniel's friends, I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, there's real food here, and you want us to eat, like, vegetables and water? Mm. It's, it's lame. Why? Why did Daniel do it? Did anyone know why Daniel did it? Why did Daniel reject the food? Does anyone know? wouldn't eat the king's meat, yeah. he hates fat meat. He, what? he hates factory farming. He hates uh, <laughs> there's too many GMOs. It yeah. wasn't organic. No, he w- it wasn't that. No, listen, listen. Was there, listen, I, I was researching this because I always, I always thought it was um, um, because uh, it was food sacrificed to idols. There's, there's nowhere in Daniel that says that. Like that was where my mind went to because there's another verse. And so I, just, I was reading this today and I was like, oh yeah, obviously, because the food was sacrificed to idols. There's nothing in there that says that. So I was, I was reading it, I was studying it. I was like, what the like, what on earth? Was there like a specific verse in Leviticus that said, now listen, thus saith the Lord, if you're ever captured by a weird, crazy king and he tries to give you food and wine, don't eat it, it's a trap, get out of there. No, there's, there's no verse that says that. Remember, Daniel and his friends didn't try to run away. They were in the culture, but they're following God. They're following Yahweh. That's your God, Yahweh. Following God means that sometimes he's gonna tell you to do something or not do something and maybe there's not even a verse for it. You ever realize that? There might be times where God specifically tells you to like, hey, don't, don't do that. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like there's, there's no verses that address iPhones or the internet because it wasn't invented. So there's gonna be times where God may tell you, hey, don't do that or shut that down or don't go to that website or don't hang out with that friend. And there's not specifically a verse for it, but you just gotta go with him. Like, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Is he a part of your life where he can tell you something and you go with it? Has the Lord ever said to you, and you're like, what well, Lord, break up with him? Break up with her? But there's no verse that specifically says if his name is this, then break up with him. No, like, you just gotta go with the Holy Spirit. You know, if the Lord says, hey, delete Snapchat, you're like, but there's no Snapchat verse. Maybe the Lord's just telling you to delete it because he knows that it's messing with you. You know, maybe, uh, it's like the Lord says, hey, don't go to that party. I know you got a sweet invite. And you're like, Lord, that's like like just that's that's suicide mission. Like to not go to that party, like no one's ever gonna invite me again. You gotta follow the Lord. Maybe the Lord says, Hey, give money. Maybe the Lord says, volunteer here. Maybe the Lord says, Hey, serve your mom in that way. Or bless your teacher, even though she just failed you on your book report. And we gotta do it. Are we swimming against the current? Are we going against what our flesh wants us to do, or are we constantly tuned in the spirit and swimming in that different direction? Listen, here's here's a couple reasons why Daniel may have rejected. One, I mean, it could have been food offered to idols. I mean, that's very possible in Babylonian culture. Uh, Daniel could have known that the food was offered to idols, and so he's like, I'm not gonna touch it because it's defiling. you know, there could have been pork in there, which Jews weren't allowed to eat. So he could have said, well, you know, I mean, maybe it was cooked, in, everything was cooked in the same kitchen as pork, and maybe the chicken touched the pork, and, and I just, I wanted to file it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, maybe, you know, with the wine, Daniel's looking at all this wine, and in Babylon, it would have been a culture of drunkenness where the wine comes out and everyone just gets plastered. And Daniel's like, you know what, for me and my friends, like, we're not gonna partake of this food or wine. We're not gonna indulge in that. We're not gonna get wasted with you. Just give us vegetable and water. Um, or maybe it was, you know, just simply that Daniel realized that King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to be everything to them. King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to say, hey, I will provide you with everything you need. And for Daniel, the Lord just maybe led him to say, you know what? Take a stand here. I know it seems weird to take a stand on the food, but just take a stand and say, you know what? The Lord will provide for us. We don't need your crazy food. I don't, I don't know what it is, but whatever the reason, it was something that he felt strongly that the Lord told him to do. And so he followed Yahweh and he, he influenced his friends to do the same. And I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego maybe had some second thoughts, but they followed Daniel's lead. He was an influencer. It was a huge risk. The king could have killed him. The king could have said, who are you to reject the food I give you off with your head? And there was peer pressure as well because other Jewish boys there that had been captured, they weren't swimming against the current. They were just saying, yeah, give us the food. Daniel says, give us 10 days and watch what happens. 10 days later, Daniel and his friends are way more healthy and strong than the other Jewish boys because right, they are eating vegetables and water and not like all the gnarly food and getting wasted. Um, so that's pretty self-explanatory. But you know, the king apparently, that's like a big shocking revelation. He's like, oh my gosh, like these guys eat, eat fruit and vegetables and they're more healthy, like, that's crazy. So he calls them to himself and says, you guys are amazing, I wanna give you jobs. And they end up becoming high level advisors to the king. And in Daniel 1 verse 19, it says, the king talked with them and he found none equal to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and Daniel. So they entered into the king's service and in every matter of Of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. This is awesome. It's awesome. These guys follow Yahweh and they're seen as someone they can be trusted, someone who is influential, someone who makes a difference. Listen, God's not calling you to live outside the culture. He's calling you to live in the culture and follow Jesus. And when you allow Jesus to be your main influence while you live in this culture, then you become the one who influences culture. Jesus influences the culture through you as you allow yourself to be influenced by Jesus. Listen, if you're a Christian here and you're afraid of the world, remember Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Stop saving your best Christian moments for church. Guys, listen, are you with me? Stop saving your most Christian moments for church and camp because the world needs those moments. Don't save your servant's heart for the missions trip to Mexico. Your school teacher needs to see it when the other students leave the classroom thrashed. We're not thinking that way during school. We're thinking that way on the mission trip. Don't save your encouraging words for the time you get asked to share at youth group. The kid who sits alone at school every day needs to hear those encouraging words from the Lord. The world needs to see you worshiping Jesus through your words and actions more than the church needs to see you raising your hands during good, good father. You should come to church being open and honest about how broken you are so you can get filled back up with the spirit and go out to face the world with Christ's love. This is why it's so important that we follow Jesus and that he's our main influence. Because if our influences are in the world and of the world, If our influences are in the world and of the world, if our influences are submitted to sin, if the people who influence you the most, if like, like, think about right now, who are the people you look up to the most? If those people are fully submitted to sin, don't fool yourself that you're gonna be able to follow Jesus and not be influenced to walk away. When you are influenced by bad influences, that poison carries over to the people you influence. How do you want people to remember you? You know, there are people in my life who caused me to sin when I was in school. And I don't remember them now as fun people. Like 10 years later, I don't like, oh man, those guys were so fun. No, I what I remember is that they caused pain. What I remember is that they distracted me from Jesus. I can't remember one specific dirty joke they told me, but I can remember how they caused me to be apathetic and not care about the Lord. You know, I'm tired. Like I've, I mean, I started doing youth ministry when I was 15, 16. So that's like 10 years ago. So I've been doing this for a while. I'll just be honest. I'm I'm tired of watching people that I grew up with walk away from the Lord. When I think of the people who were guys I looked up to, you know, guys who did choir with me at Calvary, guys who were so solid, loved the Lord, like had great relationships with their girlfriends. And now they're just, they're not walking with Jesus at all. It's not like they're, they're it's not just like, you know, you go on the, the social media and you see that they're like sinning or something. Like we all sin, but guys who've deliberately said, Jesus isn't a part of my life anymore. Like, I don't believe that stuff anymore. I'm just going to do what I want. I'm so tired of seeing that. I'm tired of seeing people who even served in this youth group at one point over the last 10 years, people who were counselors and who have walked away from the Lord. I'm tired of seeing that. I'm tired. And I don't wanna see that happen. And I know I can't stop it completely, but I can beg you to let Jesus be your main influence. Because I believe wholeheartedly that every single one of you, forget the statistics of you know, it, you know, 40% of youth group kids end up walking away from the Lord. Forget that. I believe that every single one of you can have a full and amazing walk with Jesus. I believe every single one of you in this circle can live for the kingdom of God and influence others to follow Christ. But I think... The greatest pain of hell is gonna be the people looking around and seeing that the, the people that they helped get there. I think that's gonna be one of the saddest things. The people in hell who look around, they realize, wow, that guy could have been with Jesus if I hadn't turned him the wrong way. In Africa, there's a disease that affects many. It's called the sleeping sickness. And in 1901 through 1904, more than 100,000 people died in a single area. Why, was it because of locusts or lions? No, it was just one fly. One fly contracted the sickness. It was a parasite, tiny fly, and it transferred the disease with a tiny bite. And it slowly multiplied in the victim's blood. And it was a painless disease. It was a disease that you, know, you didn't feel. There was no sores or itching. It was painless and you felt drowsiness, sleep, and eventually you die. You just fall asleep and die. And before the facts were known, people saw no connection between the fly bites and death. They're just thinking there's a fly in our village. But that one corrupted fly had put everyone else to sleep. The enemy's just like that fly. He brings sin and compromise and apathy to our lives. You know what apathy is? It's where you don't care. It's where you you go to church and you're like, this is great. But when it comes to following Jesus in your everyday life, you just don't care. (laughs) And it's so common. The enemy's so common. He's like that fly who comes around and he just gives us that little bite of sleep And the enemy is so common, we don't even brush him away. Do you ever realize that? Like we sin so much, sin is so normal that when we're tempted to sin or when we get mad at our parents, when we lash out and say something mean, or if we slip up and stumble into lust, or if we get prideful, it's so normal to us as humans that a lot of times we don't even think about it. It's just like, oh yeah, I sinned. Sorry, Lord, thanks for the get out of hell free card. And we don't realize that the enemy is putting us to sleep And the more we sin and sin and sin and sin and don't really go to the Lord and cry out for forgiveness and ask him for help and say, Lord, I've just been sinning all over the place. There's this one area, I keep stumbling, I keep messing up and I just, I haven't confessed it. And we don't cry out to the Lord and maybe even, yeah, shed some tears. If we don't do that, we don't realize the enemy is putting us to sleep. Guys, your influence is huge. Don't say, I'm not my brother's keeper. Don't say that because there's people all around you who are influenced by you on a daily basis. What does Jesus say? This is gonna get gnarly. Like I don't normally teach gnarly stuff. I mean, it's not that I don't want to, but just the passages I teach usually aren't that gnarly on a Sunday morning. So don't get mad at me. This is just in the Bible. And you know, I love you guys. Everything I say is out of love. When I read this, I was like, dang, I don't wanna teach this. But Matthew 18:6, this is what Jesus says. He says, Jesus is talking about stumbling others when we cause other people to sin. And he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, he's not talking about little babies, he's talking about those who believe in me, followers of Jesus. Jesus thinks of them like his kids, my little ones. If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for him to have a giant millstone hung around his neck and to be thrown into the depths of the sea. And when I read that, I'm like, what the heck, Jesus? want to drown people? Like, that's weird. Like, that doesn't seem to line up with all your peace and love teachings. But then I remember Jesus is famous for using figures of speech. Like Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can pick up a mountain and chuck it. Have you ever seen a Christian pick up a mountain and chuck it? No. So does that mean Jesus is a liar? No, he's using a figure of speech. He's saying you can do all things through Christ. You can have faith and the mountains in your life can be moved through faith and prayer. Another thing Jesus says is, he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, stab it and twist the knife and pull it out. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Do we see pirate Christians all the time? There may be like that weird guy, like that one guy sitting in the back of the church he has got the eye patch and the hook. But for most of us, we haven't stabbed ourselves in the eye. It's a figure of speech. Jesus is saying, if there's something in your life causing you to sin, cut it out of your life. Get it out of there. So what's Jesus saying with this passage? Well, what he's saying is that he's serious about sin. He's saying, listen, guys, I need you to have it in your mind. I need you to be so serious about sin that the way you feel about it is if you cause someone else to walk away from Jesus. It is so serious to you that you would wish, man, it'd be better for me to just be thrown into the ocean than to cause someone else to sin. That you'd be so desperate to prevent yourself from causing someone else to sin. You wouldn't just be laid back. Like, I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. I'm just gonna sin the way I wanna sin. Like, I don't care if it stumbles somebody else. I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. Who cares? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible? for them, Jesus is saying, yes, we are. We're the family of God and we need to care about one another, we need to care. We need to be able to be willing to give up our personal pride and security and privilege and love other people more than we love ourselves. So let's stop treating our sin like it doesn't influence one another. And I'm gonna hit on this a little bit. I'm gonna go back to social media because I think I was praying today and I was asking the Lord for some wisdom And he led me just to the idea of social media being a a big avenue for sin. Not that social media is wrong, but it's a huge avenue for sin. I wanna ask you guys, are you following Jesus on social media? Not like following his account, like at Jesus on Instagram. Um, I don't know where that goes, I'm gonna look it up. But when you're on social media, what do you like? The language that you use, the attitude you present, the content that you post, whether it's on your main account or your secret sketchy hidden account. Does that reflect Jesus? Or is social media your safe place? Is social media your place where you're away from the adults and teachers? The place where you can hide and be who you really wanna be? The answer to that question is yes, then you've got a problem because you can guarantee that you're influencing others. You may think this is just something I'm doing because I want to be independent. I don't want any accountability. I just want to be able to hide in the social media world and do whatever I want to do. But there are people who are younger than you watching you. There are friends who are watching you. And often who you are in the secret parts of social media reveals who you really are on the inside. And I don't think Jesus is calling us to throw away our phones and delete our apps because remember we're in the stream but we're swimming in a different direction. You're not throwing away your phones, you're on the phones. Guys, social media can be such a great tool for the gospel. Like I have seen young people get on social media and it doesn't matter if you got 10 likes or a thousand, you post something about Jesus, you are influencing somebody. I guarantee you, you are brightening up someone's day. You send a private, instant, personal message on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever you use to someone to encourage them, to send them a verse. Guys, you have the ability, unlike generations before, to send instant messages of gospel encouragement to people. And I feel like like a lot of us, we're not utilizing it. Like a lot of us, we're so concerned about keeping our Instagram theme color coordinated than we are about messaging people the gospel message. Listen, are you using... Your influence, your sphere of influence, whether it's the people you know in your life or the people on social media, are you using that sphere of influence for God's glory? Listen, if you're, if you're gonna Snapchat, then Snapchat for the glory of God and for fun, have some you know barfing rainbows or whatever, but Snapchat for the glory of God, you, it's possible. Swim against the current. Be in the culture, but not of the culture. One of the greatest problems for young people is just that, it's, it's being in and of the culture. And what does the young adult social media culture look like? Well, it's freedom from accountability. If you don't believe me, like ask yourself, where did all the young people go on Facebook? It's because the adults showed up. It's because the parents showed up. And they started posting about kittens and recipes and politics. And everyone's like, I don't want any of that. I'm out. <laughs> See you later, Mom. And so everyone ran away to places like Kick because Kick was a place where you could talk to anyone without parents knowing who you're talking to or what you're talking about and Snapchat's made the problem worse if that's what you're into. It's not that Snapchat's sinful, it's a tool that can be used for good or evil. But you have to remember the men who invented it have admitted, the people who invented Snapchat have admitted the reason that they did it was to get sexual pictures from girls without leaving a trace for anyone to find out. If you don't know that girls, the dudes, the college fraternity bros who invented Snapchat, that's the reason they did it. And in my humble opinion, to be a young person with a smartphone in your hand, with unrestricted access to the entire internet, with apps like Snapchat and other things, and with no accountability, it's about as wise as living in a house and you have an alcohol addiction and you've got a fully stocked bar in your house and you live there alone. For a lot of us, that's where we're at. No accountability. Who do you have in your life who can tell you you're wrong and you won't be offended? Who do you have in your life who can let you know when they see sin? Are you accountable to anyone? Or have you just blocked all the people who care about you enough to point out things that are hurting your walk with Jesus? If your life online is all about being anonymous and having no accountability, whether you're a student or one of the adult counselors here or or me or Brooklyn, you're wrong, I'm sorry. If we don't have accountability, we're just hurting ourselves and you're hurting other people because you're teaching them that that all that matters is that they do what's right in their own eyes. Guys, our sin influences others and that's why we need one another. We need the family of God. We need to stop hiding our sin because I mentioned this on Sunday, but when we hide our sin, you know what it's like? It's like, it's like murdering somebody and you got a body on your hands and you build a wall around the body and then you put pictures on the wall and you, know, you put some furniture against the wall. So you've constructed this nice little lie around the dead body. You know what happens? it starts to stink. Like the stink starts to happen. And it doesn't matter if you're sitting in that couch or enjoying that little fake picture, you're gonna start smelling it and people are gonna be influenced by that. We need to stop hiding our sin and we need to stop doing the same and hiding the sins of others. And I think I'll end on this. Listen, guys, loving people, loving your friends, it means loving enough to speak up. Man, there was people in my life that I wish I spoke up about people in my life where I didn't want to hurt their friendship and they were sinning and they were making mistakes and they were walking away from Jesus. And I was like, I just, I don't want, to, I just want them to do their thing. I don't want to mess with them. I don't want to like get involved. I don't want it to be awkward. I don't want to hurt the relationship. And now they're not walking with Jesus at all. And man, what if I would have done something? What if I would have reached out to them? The key is loving people enough to be honest with them and not pretend the bad influences in them is okay for them or us because peer pressure too many times guides us into that nasty territory and we can make foolish choices to try to impress other people or fit in. But it's important for all of us to understand that our identities are defined by Christ, not by others. What God's word tells us to do are right choices. And when we do what his word tells us not to do, we are making wrong choices. Scripture tells us God has set us apart and we are his children, so we do not have to go out on our own to prove we're acceptable. In the same way, we shouldn't encourage our peers to make wrong choices to be popular. Many times our peers are looking for someone who will care enough about them to be honest with them, to be a good role model for them, and to help them make right choices. And some will test us to see if we stand behind what we say. Proverbs 28, 23 says this, whoever rebukes a man will later on find more favor than someone who flatters them with his words. It's saying, if you just sit around and, you know, someone's, like, it'd be like, someone's got like a skunk on their head. And like, you're just like, hey man, great hairdo. Looks awesome. You look amazing. Wow, you're awesome. But I mean, dude, he's gonna have a face full of skunk stink if that skunk stays on him too long. You know what I mean? And you're just sitting there saying, hey, you look great. No, if you really love them, you'd say, dude, you get a skunk on their head, and they might be offended, like, no way, that's just my hair. I got like the white streak put in, it's awesome. No, like, he's got a skunk on his head. In Proverbs 27.5, it says open criticism is better than hidden love. If you love somebody, don't keep it hidden. Like, don't be like, man, that person's sinning. I'm just going to pray for them. Like, I'm just going to secretly pray for them. I'm not going to confront them. No, if your friend's driving off a cliff, like, like run in front of them and say, hey, stop. Don't drive off that cliff. In James 5.20, says, remember this, whoever turns a sinner away from the error of their way will save them from death and love will cover over a multitude of sins. That's the amazing thing, guys. Like, if you've got a friend who's sinning, it's not like you're going to like report them to the God police and then they're going to get like shot by the angel firing squad. It's not how it works. Like, if you love your friend, just don't, don't, don't get other people involved. Just go to them one-on-one and just talk to them. Just say, hey, I love you. You might save them from destruction. Like you might get them off a path of being addicted to drugs. You might get them off a path of living in habitual sexual sin with their boyfriend and girlfriend that'll lead to even more and more problems down the road. You might lead them from a path of apathy and just not caring, that's going to lead them to just being completely separated from God because they've 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 cut that bridge in half and they don't want anything to do with Jesus because they just spent so many years not caring and no one showed up and like encouraged them to care. Just like we talked about last night, we need to be able to fan our last week we need to be able to fan the flames of others. We just not not to only care about our own fire but to stir up the flames of others who follow Jesus. You know, I think a guy probably could end on this. There's a, there's a guy who, you know, in my time in youth ministry, I've kind of dogged on him, which isn't right to stand up and teach and make fun of some celebrity. I'm trying to repent from making fun of Donald Trump, but it's so hard not to. But, uh, you know, Justin Bieber is a guy who, you know, I mean, he's gotten a lot of trouble over the years. Like He's done a lot of dumb stuff. But you know what? So have I. And the difference is his mistakes are public and mine aren't. You know what I mean? And, you know, he's a Jesus follower and he's definitely had some times where he hasn't really lived up to that. Then again, so have I. Once again, his mistakes are public, mine are not. Probably the same with you. I think, you know, the cool thing about him, if I can say something encouraging about him, is even though he still makes public mistakes, you know, he also, he's using his influence in a way to point to the Lord often, You know, there was a tragedy that happened recently and you know, on his concert, he called a pastor up on stage and had him pray. I thought that was pretty cool. He's making these shirts that say bigger than Satan. And everyone's like, what the heck is that all about? Kind of it's a counter to John Lennon and the Beatles who had made the famous statement, you know, we're bigger than Jesus. And uh, you know, Bieber's now got this thing you know, we, hey, we're bigger than Satan. Like because we have Christ, like we can overcome. It's rad. Like he's had statements lately where he's just been, he's using his influence and I have no doubt there's a ton of little Bieber-loving girls with uh, who've got the picture of him with just the swoopy haircut up on their wall. And, you know, maybe they've been impacted for the kingdom because of this guy's influence. It's pretty rad. Use your influence, guys. If you've failed, bounce back from your failures. Like the king of Nineveh in the story of Jonah. Guys, the worst king ever, stabbing people, just literally putting people's bodies through poles and lining up his his walls with them and the lord shows up and convicts him and the king think about how how humble you would have to be for a king it'd be like if the president got convicted and said our whole country is in sin and the president got on tv and like ripped his suit in half and dumped a bunch of ash on himself and said we're in sin i repent i'm the first one to do it i've sinned in all these ways I've, i've messed up i'm a bad leader like please lord forgive me what an impact that would have that's what the king of nineveh did He's the king of Nineveh and he repents in front of his whole nation. Guess what? All of Nineveh turns around. If you're struggling with sin right now, imagine the influence that you could have if you went to your group of friends and said, hey, you know what? I've been messing up in this way and I've been leading our whole crew to do these things. And you know what? I'm repenting right now. This is wrong. And please forgive me. And I ask the Lord, forgive me. You could literally change your group of friends. It's incredible what the Lord can do. The key to all of this is remembering that it's not about perfection. It's just about reliance in Jesus. Like the message tonight is go and be perfect. Go and never sin because people are watching you and you've got to influence them good. No, it's get with Jesus. That's like, if I can boil everything down, if you've missed out on everything, get with Jesus. If you've been running on fumes, if you know tonight that you have just been coasting on your spirituality, you haven't been connecting with the Lord, and this is the first time you feel like you've, you've heard his voice in a long time, get with Jesus. And it's free. What does he say? If you feel weary, come to me, and I will refresh your soul. All it takes is just coming to him. Tonight, or during small groups, during small groups, if you feel that way, admit it to your group, say, you know what? I feel spiritually dead inside. I've been having a really rough week or month or year, and I feel like I need the Lord. And you know what? Um, I give your group leaders permission to baptize you with, in the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? It's just praying for a fresh filling of the Spirit. And you don't need a pastor to do it. Your leader can pray for you. Just pray and ask the Lord. Like seriously, tonight, if you feel like, you know what, I feel empty, ask. Like, hey, can I, can I pray for a filling of the Spirit? Watch what God does. Get filled up with the Spirit and go out and influence the culture for Christ. That's what we're called to do. Be in the stream, swim against the current. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. I'm gonna pray and break into small groups. We love you, Lord. God, we just ask you that you'd help these things to sink into our hearts. God, if we could just go back to Timothy, help us, Lord, to to not let anyone look down on us for our youth. And that doesn't mean that we stand up and say, we're young and we're proud, get used to it. Lord, we're saying, we're young people and we love you. And we don't want anyone to look at us and, and just assume that we're gonna act like young punks who don't care. God, I pray we would care. I pray that we'd surprise the whole world, that we'd shock our parents and our teachers and our relatives and the older people in our life who maybe look at us and think that we have nothing to offer because they just see selfishness. God, help us to repent from that selfishness. Help us to own up and take responsibility for our sin and help us to say, yes, Lord, I am my brother's keeper. I am responsible for the people in my life. I am called to be an example for them, and I will. Help us to make that commitment. And Lord, we just pray that we'd be so full of you that whenever anyone sees us, that they would just see Jesus, that they wouldn't see our flaws, our mistakes, our bad attitudes, our stupid words. Our, Lord, they, they would just see you. That's what I ask for myself, Lord. I don't want anyone to see me because I'm I'm a bummer. I'm I'm nothing. I'm, I'm I make so many mistakes. But God, I just pray that I'd have so much of you that people would see me and see and see you inside. That's what we need, God. We just ask that I'd pray that, Lord, you, you would fill us with your Spirit. Anyone who wants it tonight, that you'd lead them to just be honest about their emptiness and come to you for that fresh feeling and just realize, Lord, that I'll be the first to say I need it. Help us, Lord, to be honest with who we are, transparent, real, like we've talked about in this group. And help us to get filled up so that we can be the church outside of this circle, that we can be the church out there. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in your name. Amen.